the highlight of it really was being around great mentors and men, uh, other coaches that coached with my father that really kind of set the tone of what it is to be, you know, a young man and what it means to grow up and, and experience this great game of football and how it transitions into life in a leader. So football taught me how to take that and translate that into life, into what I do now in bobsled, uh, what I do in my career and how I've traveled. And it's just every lesson is so applicable. All the skyscrapers are just lit up with LEDs and Chinese characters all over it. And I was like, oh, I really did it now. We're here, you know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's either you said it's, I really did it now. Yeah, it's, it's full survival and, and try to thrive mode. And, and, did you know, you know any Chinese at all? Hey, welcome back to another rep. I am so excited for today's guest. But before we get there, if you like this, hit like, hit subscribe, share this with your friends. Let's go get another rep. Let's go! Man, I am so excited. I'm Coach Hagan. I have Elliot Markison. He is um, Mike Markison, who I've had on the show before. Uh, it's his son. And what a story, Elliot, man. You got such a great story. It's so exciting to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Uh, I know my dad speaks really highly of you. Um, and just it's a blessing and honor to sit down and talk with you. Um, like I said, I've heard a lot about you, and and uh, it really is really cool. Where the heck are you? Where in the wide world of sports are you? Right? <laughs> tell everybody where you are. I'm I know sitting, where you are, but tell everybody where you are. I'm sitting at a. Uh, I'm sitting in our Airbnb in Park City downtown. Um, I've been here for three weeks now. I'm here for another week. Uh, bobsledding. Already competed in our North American Cup race here, uh, and then I'm staying for the World Cup. Uh, to get some more reps and to uh, get some more experience on the bigger stage. So let's go, let's go, let's wind this back all the way to um, your dad was a football coach. He and I met at Notre Dame, and then he went his way, and I went my way. And um, you, uh, you guys coached at a lot of different spots, you know. <laughs> and uh, but you were mostly at Arkansas, and I don't know if you were born in Arkansas or. Boise or where you were born but uh yeah I was actually I was actually born in Tennessee up in Clarksville where my mom's from um that's where my mom and dad met at Austin P yeah uh, and then you know I don't remember anything and then we moved to uh Murray State for a year then Boise State and then my childhood really was in Arkansas for 11 years uh and then we moved to Mississippi uh in eighth grade so really I tell everybody I'm from Mississippi that was my you know adolescence high school, college career. Yeah. Um, it's easier to say that than to say, oh, I've, I've been everywhere. So <laughs> that's true. My daughter said the same thing. She said, you know, she went to Liberty University and uh, mm -hmm. her roommate said, Hannah, where are you from? And she said, Chapel Hill. And I said, Hannah, why'd you tell her Chapel Hill? And she goes, ah, this is just our favorite, my favorite place where we lived because <laughs> everywhere like you. Yeah. That coach's kid, man. It's fun. Did yeah. you enjoy it growing up? I did. I did. I tell all, all my friends, uh, my girlfriend, uh, she asked me about it all the time. And I'd say, you know, what a special childhood that my sister and I got to have with the other coaches, kids, too. I mean, really, it was a blessing. We got so much cool stuff. And really, I tell people now as a young man, um, the, the highlight of it really was being around great mentors and men, uh, other coaches that coached with my father that really kind of set the tone of what it is to be, you know, a young man and what it means to grow up and, and experience this great game of football and how it transitions into life in a leader. So, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Who was one of your mentors? Definitely coach Houston. Nutt. Um, 
like a second father figure to me. And I just remember as a kid, just being in his team meeting room, um, you know, I couldn't have been seven or eight years old and just listening to what he would tell at the time college football players that, you know, one day I had no idea, but I would be, and I'd be sitting in the team meeting room and he would always preach, uh, never quit, always finish everything that you start. It's very important. And how you how you carry yourself in this world because somebody's always watching you. Yeah. Uh, and to me, that stuck with me. You know, it's been my whole life now, and I carry the same lessons when I played at Ole Miss, when I lived in China, uh, and now representing Team USA on an international level. It, it's something that I will never forget, and I'll teach my children one day. So yeah, no, there's no question. When you're around a mentor like Houston, I was lucky. I was around um, Tom Landry growing up. I was yeah. a ball boy for the Dallas Cowboys. So yeah. all that stuff impacts you well. And then obviously your dad and I were together at Notre Dame with Lou Holtz. <laughs> yeah. He told me a lot of stories about that. Oh about having gosh. The, hot, that was... the hot donuts on the table. <laughs> if you didn't go to team meeting about the hot donuts. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stories there, but uh, <laughs> we won't go into that. That's his story and my story. We're talking about you. Tell me about Ole Miss. Tell me about your experience. Who was your head coach there and uh, what'd you oh. learn from them and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Uh, to begin with, you know, I graduated high school in 2013 and originally um, I wanted to be an Arkansas Razorback. Um, I love, I love the Razorbacks. Uh, some of our other uh, coaches, kids that I was best friends with played for the Razorbacks. And I was like, you know, I want to go play for them. Yeah. Um, the coach that was recruiting me there ended up leaving, going to Auburn. Um, and, you know, my next best choice was Ole Miss. And I thought, you know, I want to walk on and I want to represent my hometown. Uh, what a blessing it would have been. And, um, and and it happened. And Ole Miss is very special to me now. Um, you know, it, it's just a cool place. It's a neat place. It's that traditional Old South college town. Um, like you said, I played for Hugh Freeze, great mentor, great man. Uh, we won a lot of big games. It was kind of crazy at the end. Um, and just some of the lessons he taught me were, you know, never be ashamed of your faith, uh, never be ashamed to do the hard things. And, and that really, you know, resonated with me as a person and kind of my story before that and kind of, you know, it's been applicable all the way till now. So, yeah, very cool. Oh, the question is Lane Kiffin going to stay? Is he going? Where's What's going on? Uh, I think he's going to stay. I just got off the phone with my trainer. Um, he coached at Texas, uh, and he asked me the same question. I think he's going to stay, uh, but I think Hugh Freeze might be heading to Auburn, um, heading to the Plains. So we'll see how that, how that goes. Oh, wow. Crazy, crazy football. Just football's a crazy sport. It's a great sport. Um, yeah, I, I'm obviously super biased, but. Yeah. What, tell me, tell me one, one or two things that football taught you, other than what you just said, Coach Nut, don't quit, and and Coach yeah. uh, Coach Freeze, you know, never be ashamed of your faith. But yeah, I, I think football. One of the biggest things it taught me was it's not about myself. Um, it's it's not about the name on the back. It's about what you represent on the front and the 119 other guys that your teammates with that come from every walk of life, right? Every yeah. corner of God's green earth. Uh, and then you got to come together and you got to do one of the hardest, most collaborative team sports out there. Uh, and it, the camaraderie, the camaraderie and the sportsmanship and everything that just comes together from those 6 a.m. runs in the spring and summer all the way to fall camp, trying to survive, essentially. And then when it comes down <laughs> to Saturday, you know, it's Saturday night and you're playing a tight game and, you know, you're in that huddle with the guys and you're like, hey, man, like I'm really leaning on you now. Like I had to lean on you to finish your rep back in June. 
Uh, and so it, 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 that to me is football taught me how to take that and translate that into life, into what I do now in bobsled, uh, what I do in my career and how I've traveled. And it's just every lesson is so applicable. Is the Egg Bowl tonight? It was Thursday night and dang it. Dang it, we lost. And that was that's a big game for the state of Mississippi. Oh, the uh, fighting Mike Leeches. Gotcha, huh? Yeah, uh, yeah, the pirate. He can just <laughs> dial up a he can dial up a game with just one little notepad and and I don't know how he does it. <laughs> He's something else. So how did you get from Ole Miss to China? You had mentioned China just a couple times yeah. here in this short time we've been talking. So how yeah. did you get from Ole Miss to China? And then let's talk about China and what it feels like as a, you know. Whatever you did, what? How'd you get there? What the heck did you do there? <laughs> and why aren't yeah. you still there? Yeah, I, you know, China. It, it kind of it goes back to football. Uh, when I got done playing at Ole Miss, I grew up in Oxford. I played. I went to college, played football in Oxford. Uh, and originally, I thought I wanted to be a college football coach. Um, my dad really kind of set me down. My dad and Coach Dave Womack, um, whose son is Kane Womack, who obviously didn't listen to his dad. You know, now he's a very successful head coach. But they said, Elliot there is so much more to life than this game. And I think you should experience it. And it's hard. And you, when you commit to this, you have to commit fully. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to me, I, I don't, I didn't think I was ready to fully commit to that. I think I was like 80%. And if I wasn't a hundred, I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> 80% um, wouldn't cut it. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, you know, I, I have a really great relationship with the athletic director at Ole Miss, uh, Keith Carter. And um, I was going to, I had a job lined up uh, internship with the athletic department and getting my grad degree and kind of taking that track into the ad world um and then i really sat down i prayed a lot about it um and i didn't want to be in oxford anymore and and god kind of put this this opportunity in front of me and said hey you know let's let's go overseas um and so i've always loved to travel uh i like to experience new places i think of it like a challenge of can i survive essentially like i moved around a lot as a kid being a coach's son and I think that is kind of my friends joke with me now and they say, well, you're, that's kind of what translated this. You, you're yeah. kind of a no. Uh, and so, you know, I, I just kind of put some feelers out there and got hired as an English teacher. Um, oh, wow. And so ironically, I taught English. I'm from Mississippi. I barely speak English, but I was <laughs> an English teacher. Uh, and so I, I moved to a city called Ningbo. Uh, it's 8 million people. It's a small city. It's the size of Manhattan. Uh, which is just about two hours south of Shanghai. So just in that big Shanghai metroplex, um, basically where I live. How For many people 50, live in Shanghai? Oh, 20, 22 mil, tw- something. What? Ridiculous. Yeah. Are they all just stacked on top of each other in high rises? And- yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's another world. And I remember uh, it took about three or four months to get all the paperwork, the visas, everything completed. I remember uh, being on the plane. It was a 22-hour flight to China. And I remember landing. Uh, we were coming in at night. We flew from Los Angeles to a city called Guangzhou. And we're coming in to land. And all the skyscrapers are just lit up with LEDs and Chinese characters all over it. And I was like, oh, I really did it now. We're here. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's either. That I really did it now. Yeah, it's it's full survival and, and try to thrive mode. And, and Did you know, you know any Chinese at all? Zero. 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 Zero coaching football or anything? Yeah. So I was an English teacher at a at a, a private institution. I had 110 total Chinese students. Um and I on the side I volunteer coached the international high school's football team. Uh and then while we were there, I got plugged in with the 
American football scene in China, which is very niche. Um, a guy who played football in Michigan, who'd been living there for like 10 years. Uh, he reached out to me and he was doing some partnerships with the NFL in China. Uh, and so they hired me and they hired my dad to do a football camp, uh, coaching Chinese coaches and, and semi-pro players. Oh, so wow. they got to fly my dad out. And so everywhere I go, American football is always still in the mix just because of my background and love for the game. That's right. So. That's right. So how, what does American football look like in China? It is so goofy and they love it. <laughs> it is. They absolutely love it. I wish I could share the pictures with you from our camp. We had one guy had a mouthpiece made out of duct tape. Uh, it was, they love it. And they love, you know, they love all American sports. They love basketball um, and football is really starting to g gain a lot of traction there. And a lot of my friends that are, I still talk to and they keep up with it. And, you know, I, there's a NFL player from Shanghai, Taylor Rapp. He's a safety uh, place for the Chargers, I believe. No, the Rams. And uh, and eventually, I think NFL will end up playing games in Shanghai. Um, I think it's trying to move it that way. Uh, and to be kind of on the forefront of that that uh, journey and, and world, uh, you know, it's it's really cool. So, how were the coaches? Could they speak English well? Or um... yeah, yeah, the, the Chinese coaches could speak English. It was part of the prerequisite to be in the camp. Yeah. Um, and so that was really cool to sit down. And I drew up a linebacker basically tips and tricks and, and playbook for different coverages and different blitzes. And was like, you know, here's my knowledge from Ole Miss and Monty Kiffin's Tampa two defense. And, and here you go. Just try to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> did, uh, how do the, uh, are they fast? Are they, are they violent or is it all a version of the above? Uh, violent, not so much. Uh, there's some good quick guys. And then I'll tell you what, you know, as you get more North into China, Beijing, uh, Inner Mongolia now, uh, as you get closer to that border, they get bigger. Um, so you really go from southern China to be a little bit smaller to you get to the very top in the northern areas. And there, there were some pretty big boys that, you know, could probably come over here and play in the SEC as offensive and defensive linemen. Yeah. So you were actually coaching a football team over there. I coached a football team in Italy. It was really fun. Yeah. Yeah, that was super Yeah, the high, the high school team that I coached, was, it was pretty much bare bones, but they would play – um, some games over the weekends and you know we I think we had 25 guys on the roster and so getting them to play both ways and trying to teach them how to run the football it was it was a project did any of them ever ask you about your faith like your Christian faith or anything yeah I had a few that did um, and the cool thing while I was in China I learned that China has the biggest it is the the fastest growing population of Christians in the world really um, and it has the biggest, I think there's like a year cap. I think in the next few years, it will be the biggest population of Christian believers in the world. Uh, most of that's underground, which is, uh, you know, in its own right is sad, but it's also really cool to to meet and talk to uh, other cr Christians overseas, especially in China. I had a girl that I worked with, I wear a cross necklace, uh, and she pointed out one day and she goes, I really like that. My family and I are Christians. And I was like, oh, wow, like that is to hear that. It's so humbling um, to share our my faith with our brothers and sisters over there. Yeah, uh, I mean, so, yeah, I think our sport. I mean, I think we kind of I don't know, maybe we overlook the emphasis of, of our sport or everybody's sport as we can be missionary within that sport. Right. You know? And it attracts the sport initially attracts you. But then there's so much more to it when you get to get the relationship of being able to talk to the guys on the team.
you know right I know that's how i felt when i was in italy it was fun it was a lot of fun a hundred percent a hundred percent so then your little season or time period in in china ended and you're yeah. back in america and you're like oh crap i gotta go to work yeah <laughs> what am i gonna do and then yeah. <laughs> work is always fun but it's never as fun as something else so then how did you get into what you're doing now bobsledding for the usa team this is spectacular yeah, yes, sir. I so like you said, I moved back right before COVID happened, um, and I originally was going to go back to China and work a different job. And I felt like my journey there wasn't done. Um, I loved the adventure, and next thing you know, the world shuts down, and I'm in Nashville. And I was like, well, I guess I got to find a job. So I got a job that I do now, um, which is just project management. I work for like an international business company, and we do a lot of stuff in China. Oh, uh, that's just my day job. That's just kind of what pays the bills. Um, my real passion lies in sports and diplomacy and kind of what I did in China with the American football scene. Yeah. Um, and then the crazy thing happened. Um, I saw an opportunity for uh, winter sports uh, representing team USA and that they recruit from old athletic pools and I've stayed in shape and I just kind of thought, you know, I, I played college football at the, at the one, arguably the highest level um, a lot of things that I learned along the way could be applicable to this. Why not give it a try? And so, where'd you see, uh, where did, let me stop you. Where'd you see that opportunity? Cause my son, was, he's, he's like, I was telling him, I said, I'm going to interview Elliot. And, and I showed him, you know, you sent me or your dad maybe sent me the text of you pushing the mm -hmm. bobsled. And <laughs> he's like, how did he get that opportunity? So yeah, I, where did you, how did you? Yeah. So there used to be a TV show on NBC called the next Olympic hopeful. Um, and okay. so right when I got back, um, that's kind of what I got plugged into. Uh, and then I kind of asked around. Uh, I had a connection uh, from Ole Miss that was the former uh, like strength coach for the men's speed skating team. And he was like, you know, yeah, they recruit from old athletic pools. Um, and football's a big one, especially for bobsled. So I applied for the next Olympic hopeful. Uh, didn't really know what was going to happen. And then a month later, I get a, a notice in the mail that said, hey, you've been accepted. You're going to be on this TV show with NBC. You got to go to Colorado Springs. We'll give you a date to do your combine. And I was like, great, let's do this. Um, <laughs> and then obviously COVID happens. Uh, and my dad didn't believe me. This is the best part. Dad did not believe me. He was like, this is fake. You know, you're not going to do this. And COVID happens. They shut the whole thing down. We get another letter in the mail that says, this isn't happening. Um, here's a water bottle for your hard work. And I was like, Oh, great. Oh, I get a my. water bottle for really trying to pursue this. So what I did was I kind of, I Googled kind of what had happened to me. Right. And a girl that was current was currently on the USA team had written, had very similar experience. I reached out to her and she goes, yeah, um, here's our recruitment coach's number. Give him a call. And so at the time, his name was Mike Dion. He's from Atlanta. Gave him a call and he goes, yeah, I remember you. I remember your, your application, your paper in the stack. He goes, we still are going to do a virtual combine with just bobsled, and we would like you to do it, um, get you on a bunch of Zoom calls. And so I was like, full on, let's do this. So what I uh, – was a virtual combine. Yeah, yeah. so this this was the crazy part. So it was a brand-new thing. They had a, a basically a, a platform that says, we need you to do five things. So I remember getting my roommate to go out to a high school field with me and film me doing a broad jump, a couple 40s, a triple jump, I think what it was. and um from there awesome. I, and i submitted it and and dion's like okay well you know you'll hear from us if we want to bring you up for rookie camp and a month goes by i didn't think i got it and then one i'll never forget this it was a thursday afternoon 
and I'm about to go to work and I get a call and it's coach Dion. He goes, Hey man, like, have you not been getting my emails? And I was like, no, sir. And he goes, man, I've been emailing you for two weeks now about you need to getting a background check, physicals done, paperwork done for the Olympic training center. And he goes, we need you to be in Lake Placid next week for your rookie camp. And where and were you like, living oh right my now? Gosh. I was in Nashville and I was, and I had prayed so hard for it. I wanted it so bad. And, and God really opened that door for me in such a funny way. And I always look at back at it now as a lesson to say, Hey, you know, Check your it might not always be your timing. <laughs> yeah. It might not be your timing, but God will always provide. Um, and, and what a blessing it was. And so that was that. And, and he goes, we need you to drive to Lake Placid next week from Nashville, which is 17 and a half hours. Uh, Let's go. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm sold. And so I remember telling my mom and dad and my dad was like, Oh, you're really doing this. This is real. And I was like, this is real. So, um, yeah, so I drove, this was back in 2020. Um, it was late October, early November, and I was there for a month for my rookie camp. And that's really what kind of got the the ball rolling. So that is so cool. So you get to Lake Placid, you, you don't know anybody, right? Don't know anybody. Uh, we're actually staying off site from the Olympic Training Center because of COVID rules. So we stayed at this little old resort and we stayed there for a month and those guys that were in the rookie camp with me are, are now, you know, a couple of them are competing on the World Cup circuit and great guys. One of them, Manio Mitchell, was a silver medalist in the London Olympics and four the men's four by four hundred meter relay. Oh man, he's a um, track star, dude. Yeah, he's a tra- couple track stars. Um uh, you know, Keisha Love, she was an Olympian last year for the Winter Olympics and Bob Sled. Uh so it was really cool. My rookie class is really, really neat, and we really grew as a family because like football, right? You come from every different yeah. walk of life. And I was the only football player there. So, of course, every, all the track kids were like, you football players, you're just so just so arrogant and just so <laughs> – I'm like, okay, you know. Um, but, yeah, it was great. And and, and then uh, – so I did that. Um, kind of took – and then my training really started. And, and I really – I was learning, like, okay, if I want to do the sport, I need to really define my keys to victory. And, and what that yeah, is so, – Yeah, yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about yeah. what your training look like and what are the keys to victory to become – you're a pusher, which yes, is sir. than the pilot – and do you only do a two-man or do you also do a four-man? So I do both. Really, technically, if you, if you boil down to real competition, I will just do the four-man. Um, the two-man push athlete is the most athletic guy on the team. Um, I did it this year with my pilot in the North American Cup uh, because we didn't do four-man. But in a real environment, I will be a side pusher on the four-man team. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I tell people I'm the mush dog, right? I, I, I'm the sled dog. You push and you get in and, you know, I do – I do one of three things in the back of the sled that's sing, count the turns, or pray, or a mixture of the three, right? I just try <laughs> All to, of the three. Yeah. I, just I mean, try to how pick fast? You're going like 85 miles an hour, aren't you? Yeah, 80, 85 miles an hour in the four-man. And it's it's uh, it's an experience that you, your body just is not used to. And every time, you know, I've done probably 60-plus runs now, and every time I get in a sled, I'm just like, mm, you know, it's pretty – I mean, you're folded in half in the back like a lawn chair. Yeah. And you're fighting six Gs of pressure. My cousin's a, a pilot in the Navy, and he's like, man, you you handle the same amount of G-force that we do in our planes. And Is it like, really yeah. six Gs on those turns? It, it could be six Gs, yes, sir. Yep. Dang. Yeah. And wow. it'll it'll humble you pretty quickly. And so what's a training day look like or feel like? Tell everybody. 
Yeah. So uh, on a bobsled training day, you show up to the track, you get this, uh, you know, it's it, 20%. No, I wouldn't even say that. 10% of the sport is actually sliding. Uh, 70% is doing sled work and the rest of it is moving sleds. Right. So we show up to the track, we put the runners, which are the blades on our, on our bobsleds. We make sure everything's good. Um, take it up to the top of the track and we kind of wait the bobsled sports basically hurry up and wait game. Um, and then when it's time to go, you know, it's, it's usually around 50 odd seconds to the bottom of the track and you get basically two runs a day on your training day and that's it. So you, every rep you got, you really got to maximize, you know, wow. your technique, you got to break down. You usually try to pick one thing that you want to work on that day. And for me, my, the hit on the sled and, and make sure, sure I have the right drive angles and using the right mechanics, uh, which is different, right. From football, because I'm not a sprinter. Yeah. So my training my key to victory, you know, one of the definitions was I had to break down how I ran and I had to re basically relearn how to run and sprint. And it's so humbling. You know, my girlfriend is a hundred meter hurdler at Rhode Island. Um, so my best friends like Manio track star, and they're really coaching me and teaching me like, Hey, you know, you have the tenacity and toughness of football, but you really got to learn again how to run. And so that has been the hardest challenge, but it's, it's one I'm, I'm happy to tackle. Yeah. Super cool. So is there a lot of weight room time or is there like, do you push sleds on dry land too? Or yeah, we have a dry land push track in Lake Placid, uh, obviously a prowler, you know, at home or a, a just a, a wheeled sled is, is as good as we can get besides our ice house. Uh, our weight room program is very similar. It, it complements our sprint mechanics uh, with CNS development. Power development is huge. So a lot of power cleans a lot of plyometrics, explosiveness, kind of really developing that, those, um, and, and refining the, those class two muscle fibers just to make sure the quick twitch is still there and you're really just getting all you can out of the drive phase and, and getting in the sled. Cause at the end of the day, you can push the sled as fast as you want, but you still got to be mechanically sound. You got to get in the sled, right? Yeah. And I think that's usually the scariest part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be holding onto the sled with one hand going, ah, Crap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. What's the fastest time you've gone down the hill in? Uh, I think we did a sub 50 run one time here in a two man with my pilot. And it, I mean, it's, it's moving. And you know, this track here in park city, they call it a gliding track. It's pretty, it's pretty easy. And you, you kind of, as a brakeman in the back, you can't see out the front. So you have to learn how to count the curves in your head based off the pressures. Mm. Uh, and so once you know that, you know, you can basically close your eyes and, you know, when to breathe and know when to exhale. That's the biggest thing. And I have, I've had a couple crashes uh, these past couple of weeks, which that's, that is an experience. So, uh, but yeah, it's sub 50 is pretty good. Uh, and, you know, what's, what's right really now, good on that track in park city. What was really you know, 48 if you're going 48 you're you're cooking like that, that pilot is really driving clean lines he's not he or she's not tapping off the corners yeah uh, obviously they're not crashing right yeah <laughs> so did you have a job while you do this or how do you how do you eat <laughs> yeah uh my current is the, Olymp the olympic committee's not paying for y'all no no they don't pay for a thing we we were one of the only countries that aren't funded by our, our olympic committee um, if so you made all, the team, if you made the Olympic team, will you get funded then? Yeah, if you make the national team, they'll give you some sort of stipend, but it's not enough to live off of, right? Um, so all of us really, 
90% of us have real time, real jobs that we do remote. One of our uh, pilots, Nicole Vogt, she's a, uh, I don't want to mess this up. I think she's an architectural engineer in Dallas. So in between bobsled training, she's looking at blueprints of commercial buildings and boiler rooms and all kinds of stuff. Uh, Emily, my girlfriend, she's a, basically a biostatician uh, for a company that runs sampling for uh, pharma. Uh, and it's crazy. We all have different careers and different walks of life and we all do this Super crazy smart. <laughs> that's pretty cool yeah. very cool man so what where do you take this where what's the next phase for bobsledding for you Elliot? yeah so you know i'm committed to one quad which is this is the first year um so we measure everything in four years right it's a four-year olympic cycle um and just see how far i can go with it uh obviously the goal is the olympic team um but you know, getting to represent at the very nuts and bolts of it, getting to wear our country's flag and represent Team USA in an international event, it is more than I could ever ask for. Um, it's incredibly humbling. It's a blessing that God has put in front of me and he's opened this door for me. And I don't really know where he's going to take it, but I'm trusting him um, and just try to progress every year and and, and get better. And um, yeah, and you know, and enjoy a, the ride, enjoy the process. What a, huge, huge, what a huge platform. I mean, you played on a huge platform at Ole Miss, but mm -hmm. I mean, this, this is just so cool, man. I, I'm praying that you get to get to the Olympics and that I get to watch you on TV and cheer for you and all that kind of stuff. Where is the next Olympics that you could be in? Uh, 2026 is in Milano, uh, Italy. Nice. Uh, and then 2030, the next four years after that, Salt Lake is trying to get the bid. It's either going to be Salt Lake City or Nagano, Japan. Um, oh, personally, I think it would be really cool to go to Japan, but I know Salt Lake can handle all the infrastructure. and, and, and Oh, yeah. That. They can do it. They can do it. Yeah. Hey, this show is called Another Rep with Coach Steve Hagan. What does another rep mean to you after growing up with a football coach, and, you know, doing going to China, USA Olympics? It may not even have anything to do with sports, but what does another rep mean to you? Another rep to me means adversity. Uh, and adversity means to me is embracing it like an old friend, right? You wouldn't be the man or woman you are today without that extra rep, without that adversity in your life. It's something that I learned early on in football, something I learned as a child of a coach right moving around and facing hard times and through those that extra rep in that hard time um it really grows you as a person and that might be doing an extra rep during pursuit drill which all my defensive players know out there you'll do that until you get sick another <laughs> rep on saturday game it might be a holding call in your back 10 15 yards and then it's like we got to go again and right it's showing up every day you get a crash in the bobsled man you got to get back on top of the hill and, and get back in the sled and, and do one more rep and that extra rep defines those who, uh, to me, achieve greatness and who can handle adversity in their lives. And it's something I want to embody the most um, and, and something hopefully I can teach my kids one day. Oh, you definitely will. I love that. I love that answer. Everybody has such a different answer. The more you listen to this show, it's uh, it's just fun to hear everybody's answer. And, you know, growing up, a uh, uh, coach's son – you moved a lot. So there is adversity that you have to overcome. You know, you're, you're moving away from your friends or your team or your whatever. And so you overcome that and you just keep repping, just keep repping, keep getting stronger. Man. Hey, I love having you on the show. I love hearing your story. We're going to follow you. And as you keep going and growing in this sport, we'll get you back on, man. It'll be fun. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, I'm excited. It, it's awesome to finally sit down and talk with you. Like I said, I've heard a lot about you. Uh, it really is an honor. And, and one big thing, too, I want to touch on before I end, it's 
you know, this platform that God has really given me, it's a blessing I don't take lightly. And to all those who have supported me and, you know, everything from buying me a meal in college to taking me in, like a family took me in for Thanksgiving here. Um, it, it's something I don't take lightly. And I wouldn't be where I am today without God's blessing and those that have supported me along the way. And, and to them, I want to say thank you. And, and I'm not without y'all. So oh, that's awesome. Heck, if I lived in Park City, you'd be living with me. <laughs> or if I even lived there, a bobsled track. <laughs> Man, thanks so much for coming on. Love Thank you. Thank you, Coach. Wow, Elliot. Awesome. Awesome. What a great story, man. It's so cool to know where you came from and know what you're doing now. It's awesome. I can't wait to follow your career. This is so fun for me. Hey, if you like this show, hit like, hit subscribe, share it with your people. I'm going to keep repping. Elliot, you keep repping. Let's go. Make it a great day.